The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover a positive path for spiritual living. Welcome to Voices of Unity with Reverend Ellen Debenport. Hey, and welcome again to Voices of Unity. I am Ellen Debenport. Voices of Unity is a show that invites different new thought leaders to share their wisdom and expertise. It's to help you dive deep into spiritual topics so you can discover new ideas and practices that will enhance your life. Our guests are sometimes unity ministers, sometimes others, who are sharing what they've learned as a body of work. So they're not just one-time guests. They stay for six or eight weeks so we can truly explore their areas of special interest. Sometimes it's about unity teaching specifically, and sometimes it's more generally related to spiritual practice. But our guest again today is the Reverend Patricia Galino-Lansky. She's the minister at Unity of Charlottesville, Virginia. And we're talking this month about grief. Hey, Patricia. Hi there, Ellen. Welcome back. (laughs) Thank you so much. So as we said last week, Patricia wrote a book called Accepting Death, Embracing Life. And I just, I want to start by making sure you're not telling us to just cheer up and get over it. (laughs) Not at all. Okay. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) You know, Ellen, there is something very, very uh, important when we do face death, when we realize that it's, uh, uh, you know, the, the old joke is no one gets out of here alive. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it is death is a normal. It's a normal part of life, um, not an unanticipated mistake. Um, and, and when we can realize that and realize that death is really not our enemy, no more than Earth could be our enemy. You know, it's just the part of the process. We can come to see how we face death will really shape our life and inform our life. When we really get that we have a limited time here on Earth, then every moment becomes so precious. And there's not a moment to waste. So, um, this can really inform how we embrace each day, how we um, really center within our gratitude for what we do have in the time that we do have. Um, so, and I'm going to be talking more about that next week when we go into uh, developing a practice of letting go, uh, which is how do we relate to impermanence, you know, which is uh, what death teaches us mm-hmm. in that way. <clears throat> Okay, so I'm allowed to have my feelings. Absolutely. 
Yes. Good. <laughs> and and I and it is important that you do have your feelings. Um, today, I really want to spend some time talking about grief um, and other feelings, other expressions of loss, because I I know that for many people, grief can seem so um, overwhelming, huge, and confusing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet there there is a very very important reason that we grieve. Uh, perhaps the most important is we grieve because we have loved, yeah. and when we when we do not have that person or even animal that we love so very dearly with us anymore, uh, it is natural and normal to grieve. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is so, so very true, very important to be true to whatever you are feeling, to be honest and authentic just within yourself at the very least, you know, and, and it helps to share a lot of times with others. But these feelings are so important to our healing process and to even more. So, so um, yeah, go ahead. I've heard you say that grief might be, I don't know if easier is the word, but that it would be nice if people knew what to expect in grief. Um, that, I really believe that. Yeah, that they don't, yeah. they don't even know what's coming. They don't know what's normal. They don't know mm-hmm. how long it might last. And that, I would think, makes it scarier. So, oh, it really does. So can yeah. you just tell us, I know it's a broad topic, but can you just tell us what to expect when you're grieving? Well, I'll do my best. Okay. It's, uh, it has, like you say, a full range of emotions and everything under the sun practically, but there are definable pieces to it. Um, we talked a bit about Elizabeth Kubler-Ross uh, last week who uh, wrote seminal information about death and dying, and she came up with describing five stages of grief. Now, many people have gone on to say, well, there's much more than these five, but it's a good place to start, and it's a good way to clarify. What she described was denial, sadness, anger, bargaining, and acceptance, and they are not linear. Uh, You do not go through one and then you move to the next. It can be... Uh, moving in and out of all of them at different times. And I think the the important one to begin with is the idea of denial and how that can move into um, the very beginning of when you uh, might be told that there is a, a loss in your life. Um, and sometimes even when we are prepared for someone's death, when we finally, finally get the word that they have gone, um, it can still be a, a shock. And I just want to spend a moment to describe about that feeling of, it's really dissociation. You, uh, you might feel stunned, distracted, forgetful, numb, agitated, because think of it this way. It's like an earthquake happening in your emotions, in your psyche. Mm-hmm. Um, when you lose someone who's so dear to you, your ground is taken out from under you. Under you. And a friend of mine recently described what she felt like when, when she found out that her husband had died. She was so distracted, so confused, so numb that 
she didn't know she thought she would have to teach herself how to live again you know she didn't know whether to sit down or stand up i mean it was it was really um shaking shaking her ver- to the very core of her being so if you can understand that that is part and parcel of the grief process and in a way that numbness is a help you see um because if we um were able to take in the enormity of that information in its totality um it might just be too much but if we can have a layer of numbness um we can still function hmm and so these feelings these feelings i really think we can look at them as our friends uh because they really do first of all express the deepest language of our heart and they are there to move us uh through this process and they they really are very very forwarding so um as much as we can embrace them and and know that they are normal um another one that i think people sometimes get very confused about is um sadness uh, well sadness of course um is would seem very normal to a loss but there can be layers of sadness sometimes we can feel like oh i'm just i can't stop crying i i'm afraid that i will never stop crying and the the tears and the sad emotions are just so full right and then there are other times where people have said i simply cannot cry i i've lost my person that i love but there are just no tears that are coming and so there can be you know varieties even amongst uh, among sadness um but but don't we anger. beat ourselves up yes. for having the wrong feelings or not having the right feelings or not being sad when oh. we should be and being numb when we shouldn't be and <laughs> yes <laughs> yes it's so true it's so true and and you know um these feelings are individually designed from your own heart space they are expressions of your inner knowing and so just like we cannot um blame ourselves for um i don't know almost anything else we have to have patience with this process because it takes as long as it takes uh there's no one right way to grieve and uh it is if you think of it as you know this is almost like a roar shock of what's inside of you coming out in expression um it's mm. it's an image it's an image of what is uh inside of your heart then how can you possibly judge that you know it's there's no right or wrong way and and even with something extreme perhaps as laughter um people can laugh in the middle of grief mm-hmm. they they should laugh um i mean sometimes you know you've heard of gallows humor you know and 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 sometimes there's there's something that just strikes you as so funny sometimes people have oh i shouldn't be laughing because my loved one just died but laughter is just another expression it is just an expression of being alive you know and 
and your loved one would not want you to never laugh again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's for sure. So it's, it's really having, um, I guess grief will break your heart open. And in that way, you have an expanded palette of feelings that are available to you to really move into um, knowing and expressing and being with everything that this loss means to you. So I say be patient with yourself, be kind and loving with yourself, and and know that there is no wrong emotion. There is no wrong emotion. And, and that's important and that, to know about other people, right? Because yes. people who are grieving together sometimes judge each other for not doing it right. Oh, that's for sure. Especially if you uh, personally are a crier like I am myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, the tears usually come pretty easily for me. Uh, so when I have grieved, uh, the tears have been there. For other people that I know, they do not express their sadness in the same way that I do. And that's okay. That's okay. Um, other people uh, might be holding it more closer within. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they may actually resent people who are asking them, well, why aren't you more sad? Why aren't you crying? Right. You know, you just lost this person. And it is individual. It is not no, no two people can compare their grieving process mm-hmm. in that way, you know, for what is right and what is not right. <clears throat> and, you know, it, it depends a lot, Ellen, also on your relationship with the person who passed. Um, how close were you? Mm-hmm. Um, was their death expected or sudden? Um, did you have time? To prepare yourself? Uh, did you have a chance to say goodbye? All of these types of questions will really inform uh, how your grief might might go. Um, think of this. If, if you had someone like a parent that you barely even knew, there was no relationship there. Uh, if you heard that they died, perhaps with that lack of connection, there might be barely any grief at all. Mm-hmm. Um, what if um, you had always yearned for uh, a closer connection with your father and it never happened? Um, and when the loss comes, perhaps the grief is doubled because the hope of ever having that close connection is also gone So it's kind of like a multiplied loss. Yeah. Um, And couples, oh my gosh, you know, couples who have had such a a close relationship, their identity has almost been entwined. Um, A a friend of mine who lost her husband said it was as if her right arm was was severed. Mm. I mean, she had just been so in sync with her husband and so close for so many years. He filled roles for her. uh, She filled roles for him and, and their, and her very identity was, was changed because of the fact that she was now a single person. She was no longer married uh, to this man. 
Yeah. Um, I, that's, that's, yeah, that's quite a big grief right there. Yeah. And I want to keep talking. Um, I have just a lot of questions for you, but we have a caller. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay. This is, this is Aisha. Is that how you say it? It's Aisha. Aisha. All right. Welcome Aisha. to Voices yes, of yes. Unity. Thanks for calling. Well, thanks for taking my call, and thank you both, Ellen and Patricia, for this wonderful subject matter and just a beautiful, uh, just a really beautiful, frank discussion. Really appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. You have a question? Yes, I lost my mother in 2003. She was 66, and I had been her caretaker full-time for the last probably three months of her life. Mm -hmm. And I was really working hard to, she had breast cancer, if I didn't mention, and I was really working hard to, we were really discovering some alternative things that were working because the doctor said there was nothing. And even though she had had this elongated illness and she ended up passing and You know, a lot of people, I think, I felt like a lot of people were saying, if not directly, then indirectly, well, at least you knew, or, you know, Mm. at least you knew this was happening. Mm -hmm. And so I did Mm -hmm. have a tremendous amount of shock, even though really I had a friend that stayed with her the day before she died and said, Aisha, she has a death rattle, you know, she's having difficulty Mm -hmm. breathing. And I was still in the place. I just wanted to hold the highest and best. And that was followed by a tremendous amount of regret that Mm. I could have or should have done more. So I guess, you know, that was the piece that I think the regret pushed or pulled me into that grieving process. It just elongated it. It made it so difficult and I was mentioning to a friend just the other day, and I and it really actually even it was still there. It was still present for me. Mm, so yes, just yeah, yes. um, ideas about uh, getting getting through that. Getting you know, even though I thought mm. I was through that, I I don't think so. Yeah, regret. Yeah, yeah Patricia, uh-huh. what do you do about regrets? Oh well, thank you so much for. Uh, for sharing your story with us. And, um, yes, I'm, I'm feeling that, uh, mm, that sadness as, as you've spoken. Um, the regrets are so real, um, for, for many, many, many people. Uh, you obviously were there trying to help your mom in the best way that you could. And uh, it sounds like you made a difference in her process as well, that uh, you went beyond uh, what the doctors were saying were possible. And you may have um, bought her more time uh, because of what you were able to help her with. So uh, that is something to also hold as, as a good part of, of what you were able to do. Um, the regrets. Well, first of all, I want to say that uh, in talking about your mom to your friend recently, that you felt perhaps the, the regrets were still there. And that may very well be true. However, I also heard in it that you might still be missing your mom. 
and mm. missing someone really I have found if they meant so much to you that missing never never really goes away particularly when there is perhaps a an occasion or a memory that comes up that you would uh, an occasion you'd like to share with them like I don't know having uh, getting married the birth of a new baby or something like that we we miss those dear ones that would have enjoyed being there and experiencing that with us. So there's a piece in there, I think, of what you're saying, that you're missing her. The other thing mm. is um, you may want to look at the meaning of the regrets, um, of the guilt, perhaps even, because we know that regrets and guilt are sometimes misnamed as emotions, but they are actually limiting thoughts. So if you took some time or even some journaling perhaps to to look at what is the meaning behind this regret thought. Um, you know, the good thing about guilt and regrets is that if we do make a mistake, if we're tuned in, we, we have some guilt or regret and then we can make amends. But it sounds like that was not the case with you here. But it was more like I should have done more. I could have done more. And those that brings up some feelings of powerlessness and um, and helplessness, and that how could you have how could you have done more? And I think also what I'm hearing in what you shared that you didn't you didn't know the real signs of noticing when she was um, near death. And um, I'm going to be talking about that also on the fourth week because that was a huge thing for me. I didn't understand how this process happens. And it is, is almost, well, I would make the analog analogy, it's as clear as birthing a baby. Now, uh, if you didn't, mm. if you didn't know what signs to look for, in being pregnant and birthing a baby, it would be very confusing and mm -hmm. um, and very <laughs> shocking, you know. Um, <laughs> likewise, you know, likewise, we have these real clear signs about how we die. But if you know, most of our culture doesn't know what those signs are, so that can bring up even more of a feeling of powerlessness and helplessness. Um, that if you knew something, you might have been able to do more. Um, but and and it really does sound like you did. You were there. You were devoted for three months to your mother, and uh, and you brought in some new and forwarding uh, help to her that actually did make a difference. Um, so a lot of times it's um, coming to accept you know what what is that we we don't have control over um and you know i went through this with my mom uh, if you uh, check out my book uh, there's a kind of parallel experience there with my own mother and and i can remember that i had a really really great suggestion for her and it just wasn't the right time for her to accept it. Uh, that's what I came to realize later. She was, uh, she was too far into the dying process 
to really have the energy to try a new um, protocol that that might have helped. I don't know. She just she was on the uh, you know letting go kind of part. So mm. um, I had to let go of my really beautiful idea that has helped other people to cure from cancer, but but it just wasn't the right time for her. So maybe that was mm. a part of your mother's process as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah. And thank you for yeah. your kind words. And it was comforting when you said, well, you know, you may have bought her more time. And I think I certainly bought her more time and her pain levels decreased. I do believe that is true. And mm-hmm. and just accepting that everything happened in its right time. And I was doing what I was guided to do. I'll just remind yes. myself of that. And all your words, very comforting. And thank you, Ellen, for having this um, portion on your show. I think this is just, it's not really discussed and it's something that we Mm. need to look at and it can be enveloped in our lives as part of the life process and not shrouded away in darkness and it's very helpful Mm. so thank you both yeah thanks for calling and please one more note you were Mm. there you were there for her for three months you took care of her that in itself is a deep and eternal gift to your mom and to her ongoing soul. Never forget that. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Okay. You're Thanks welcome. a lot, Thank Aisha. you for calling. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Wow. We just have about a minute left. Um, mm-hmm. And when we come back, I want to continue with the five stages of grief that most people are familiar with because we were just getting to anger, which I've always thought is yes. a really interesting part of grief and often surprises people. But uh-huh. um, regrets, I was, I've been surprised by some of my regrets. Mm. And, and it's not necessarily the same as guilt. I don't know. Uh-huh. I remember that after my mother died, um, sometime later, a year, maybe a year later, I moved to a new apartment. And it was just so mm. strange that I was going to live in a place that she hadn't seen and wouldn't yes. see. And it's, I don't know, it's that feeling of, I guess I have to move on. Uh, mm. She would want me to move on, but it still just feels strange sometimes. Oh, it really does. And and that is um, that is because her memory, her essence lives within you. And, uh, and we're just not aware of how to keep that um, enough when we're so wanting to have the physical with us right. and to, to be able to touch in and give a call and say, come on over and see this, you know, so that is absolutely natural. So lots more to talk about with Patricia Galino Lansky and accepting death and embracing life. We'll be back after these messages. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. When listeners like you contribute to Unity Online Radio, you're making a positive difference in your life 
and the lives of other spiritual seekers. Go to UnityOnlineRadio.org and click on Donate to make a one-time donation or sign up for monthly contributions. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Eric Butterworth, taken from the live lecture, A Course in Practical Metaphysics. Healing is the experience in our life of coming out of the darkness into the light, getting out of the confusion of human consciousness into the allness which is always present. But the allness of infinite life is present even within the illness. So God is not a healer. He doesn't look down upon you and say, well, you're sick, but you're a good person and I like you very much, so I'm going to take this illness away from you. God doesn't take illness away from anybody, nor does God put illness into anyone, which belies a lot of traditional religious thought, too. We talk about, well, suffered to be so, it's God's will, and I guess it's my place to accept it. The will of God must always be the ceaseless longing of the Creator to express itself in that which has created. So it's a constancy, it's a force, which is ever seeking to press itself out into visibility as life, as wholeness, as success. To find out more about Eric Butterworth, visit unity.org. If you've been on a spiritual path for a long time, what can you read that's new and exciting? Try Unity Magazine. It's designed for the seasoned spiritual student with in-depth articles and interviews about spiritual practices and philosophies. Our columnists share their own faith journeys and cover healing, science, and psychology with even a little scripture thrown in. You'll read some classic authors and some new ones. Get a free trial issue at unitymagazine.org. Sometimes you might feel so alone with your problems, you don't know where to turn. We invite you to call Silent Unity, the 24-7 prayer ministry, where someone is waiting to pray with you every day at any hour. Listen and relax as you hear their beautiful words affirm the highest and best outcome for you and those you love. No matter what's going on in your life, Silent Unity is always standing by. Call today, 816-969-2000. Is life getting you down? Don't worry, choose happy. Join Dr. Marissa Pay every Thursday at 2 p.m. Central and get ready to shift your outlook. Dr. Marissa is an organizational psychologist and life balance coach who will help you to process the tough stuff. Get real life strategies you can use today to experience more hope and happiness. Call in and join the live show or listen later on demand only on unityonlineradio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Voices of Unity with Reverend Ellen Devonport. We are back with Voices of Unity. We're talking with Reverend Patricia Galino-Lansky about grief, which is not nearly as a depressing a topic as you might think. She, <laughs> she has all kinds of information about it. And we said in the first half of the show, if you know what to expect when you're grieving, you'll, if nothing else, you won't beat Experience yourself up so much mm-hmm. about the feelings you're having or how long it's taking. Uh, and I want to get back to that. But first, let's remind people who and where you are. Your book is called Accepting Death, Embracing Life. You also have a website, right? 
Yes, I do. And it's called um, EmbracingYourLife.net. And you can purchase the book there if you would like. There's a, a link that you can purchase the book. And also what I've done with a blog is I've put in additional questions for these radio shows. So there's questions from last week when we talked about death being the great taboo. And there's also questions for this week about how do I grieve? What what would I do? And uh, these are more helpful um, suggestions for you if you'd like to go a little further on these topics. So that's embracingyourlife.net. And if anyone is in the Charlottesville area, I'm co-minister at Unity of Charlottesville, and uh, we have a wonderful celebration service every Sunday morning at 1030. I'd love it if you come and stop in and say hello and say you heard heard me on the radio show. That yeah. would be great fun. And it's beautiful. <laughs> Virginia is beautiful. Hmm. Okay, so we were working our way through the five stages of grief that Elizabeth Kubler-Ross came up with, which, you yes. know, I've heard them sort of disputed since then, but... I don't know. I I think it's still a pretty good list. So we said denial, yeah. uh, which mm-hmm. can be just feelings of numbness. I was thinking that's what gets you through the funeral and all yes. the business that has to be taken care of. And then yes, sadness, which, you know, you may or may not cry. You may or may mm-hmm. not be as, appear to be as sad as other people think you may be. But we had just gotten to anger which is a really interesting aspect of grief. So talk about that for a minute. Well, this uh, anger was, um, uh, it is very, very interesting. Uh, obviously, it's one of the five core stages of grief. Um, and, you know, all of, uh, I shared last week a lot about, um, you know, losing uh, seven of my family members uh, kind of all in a row within 25 years. And, each one of them taught me so much more about death. My father's death that I shared with last week taught me about this idea of anger because feelings um, are not always logical. Mm. And you would say, well, how can you be angry at somebody for dying? Or, or, you know, so growing up when I was 15 and my father died, I didn't realize how angry I was about that until a number of years later when I was in a, a human development growth workshop and another woman in the group stood up <clears throat> and said that she was so angry that her father had died um, and she went on to talk about the whole situation and that that he had left her. And, you know, at that time it just clicked in my mind <clears throat> excuse me, that I was angry too. I wasn't angry at the fact that uh, my father had illness and died. He didn't want to die. See, that's what was so confusing, what was not logical. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to die at all. But I have the right, I had the right to be angry that he did die, that he left me, that I lost him that he was no longer on this earth. I could be angry about that, and that is where the anger was. But it wasn't. See, when I originally thought, oh, I can't be angry, I thought I can't be angry at him for dying. Mm 
So that is why it's so important to notice that feelings are not always logical. Um, and, um, you know, and you can be angry about being guilty. <laughs> so for, for nothing that you had control over, you know, um, uh, in that first uh, time with my dad dying, I didn't know that he was dying. I didn't get to the hospital to see him before, just before he died. I felt very guilty about that for a long time and angry about that too. But I really didn't have any control over it. Um, so these, these kind of nuances are, are very important and, and knowing that, um, you know, being angry doesn't mean that you didn't love that person. In fact, it can mean quite the opposite, that you loved them so much that you were angry that they were gone. Well, yeah, and I think you don't need my permission, but I think you had a lot of reasons to be angry. They didn't tell mm -hmm. you he was dying and you're 15 years old and he won't see you graduate or walk you down the aisle, all of those things. Yes, yes. Yeah, there and is a lot. So in my experience is it's not strictly sadness. It can be just anger about those things. Yes, yes. Is there also mm -hmm. just some irritability as a part of grief, you know, explosions of anger, getting mad about things you wouldn't ordinarily? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and that kind of, uh, it goes along with the distracted stuff and there's agitation in that too. And, uh, um, I'm just feeling like I, I would like to read a little bit of a poem about rage, if I may. Okay. Okay. This is, um, I wrote all poems all about all of the emotions in my book. And this one's called Rage. Didn't we cheer when Dylan Thomas demanded of his father, do not go gentle into that good night? Then, why are we surprised, hurt, or rejected when our loved one splatters us with screams, spits out the pill, dismisses a guiding hand, answers our soft query, snarling, I can do it myself? Are they not raging, raging against the dying of the light? You see that idea that that crankiness, you know, when when a person is is dying and losing their their abilities um you know and and the caregiver is trying so hard to be there for them um you know and and they can just be cranky and say you know leave me alone i can take my own pill you know <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's uh it's 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 important it's real and those bursts of anger are really not about the caregiver. This is a great example of not taking it personally. Um, it's not about you. It's really more about the fact that they are frustrated, um, irritable with the dying of the light, you know, the, mm -hmm. the diminishment of their abilities. Well, and, and conversely, um, the caregiver may be angry. Not at the dying yes. person, but at the situation and how their life has changed and is going to change. And there's Absolutely. so much going on around death. 
Yes. <laughs> yes, it's huge. <laughs> yeah. So what comes after anger? And you said they're not linear, but. Yes. Bargaining, Bargaining. is, um, yeah, it's an interesting process. It's, uh, you know, a lot of times you'll hear or imagine someone praying to God saying, please, please, just, just let them live. You know, please, I will, I will do anything. I know I have not been the greatest, uh, whatever, you know, and I will change that. I will be, I'll be much, much better if, if they can only live, you know, it's that kind of pleading and, um, you know, I'll give up something for them. I remember, I remember a friend of mine saying, you know, I, I love this person so much. I would be willing to die in their place. I wish that I could do that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's a type of bargaining as well. Um, and finally, the acceptance. Yeah. Acceptance comes in drips and drabs here and there. Um, acceptance is not like, okay, now everything is fine, you know, in a, in a moment. Um, but it comes in little pieces. And, um, in my mother's process of dying, um, which I found comparable to the uh, woman who was speaking to us earlier, um, up to the last couple of days before she died, I was still in the bargaining stage. I was just saying, God, uh, I know this isn't logical, but if you just let her live, I will just stay here forever and take care of her. Mm. You know, I mean, um, cause you just, uh, at that point, I just didn't want to let her go. And then finally in the last day of her life, um, there was a lot that shifted in me and I was really able to accept her death and to have, um, have an experience. It was quite a profound experience where I knew that she would always be alive in my heart, that, that there was a connection with her and, um, a resonance and, she had given me so much in my life that I knew that that would never be taken away from me. And so her wisdom, her humor, her um, whatever would, would be there inside of me. And I was able finally to say, I can let you go now because I know you, there's a part of me, part of you that will always be with me. Mm-hmm. And that was a form of acceptance. Um, it comes in very many ways. And I'm also hearing you say you don't just reach a day where it's over. Oh, okay. No. I'm, I accept it now. I can get on with my life. I won't feel that way anymore. No more yes. grieving. <laughs> no, if, if, you know, and the very, the very least of it is that, um, you, you will always miss that person. You know, if, if they were that important to you, the missing will will be there, usually at the beautiful times in your life mm-hmm. that you wish you could share. Right. You know. So how mm-hmm. long? We were talking about what to expect with grief. How long mm-hmm. is it going to last? Well, that's such an interesting question. You know, um, psychologists before 
all of this started coming to the fore, there was a, a protocol that they suggested that normal, in quotes, normal grief, <laughs> which as you can see is uh, almost impossible to uh, describe mm -hmm. given the full range of everything. But they, they had said that normal grief uh, would probably be over in six months. Oh. And um, so I think all of us are not normal. <laughs> right. According to that, but but what I've been able to observe uh, in myself and in other people is that there are uh, different, uh, so to speak, soft benchmarks that you can notice as as you move through a grieving process. Of course, the immediate um, time right at the at the the news of the death is, uh, as we said, the deep sorrow and the numbness. And it is a buffer period so that you can kind, so you can get through the funerals and the putting in the change of license and names right. and, you know, all of that business details that have to go along with that time and that expression of, of life. Um, so there, it's like a buffer period and you can feel a little bit numb. Mm -hmm. um, about six months into uh, the process after the death, I have noticed with some people, not all, please, this is not everyone. Remember, there is no uh, cookie cutter grief scenario. <laughs> um, there is, uh, there can be renewed grief and sadness. Um, it's as if your psyche has, uh, has had a time to strengthen from the initial shock of the loss and now you can start to let go of those feelings that have been in there um, i've also seen a possible fear of one's own mortality come up at that time that's, because that's six months you said yeah about six months okay yeah and then at two years um about two years after the death of a significant other um, I have seen it be sort of like a healing crisis, um, like you have been moving through your life, you've had some of the feelings coming up, hopefully you have uh, gotten any help or support either from support groups or a therapist if you need that or and or journaling in your journal, that always helps us to identify and express out those feelings, which can sometimes be a little bit murky. Um, at two years, um, you can ha develop an illness. It's almost like, a, like I say, a healing crisis. Um, it can be also accompanied by a new awareness of your own spiritual life. At this point, I've seen many people walk into um, a new future with um, different strengths and resources that they had never dreamed possible. Uh, it's, it's possible to make great strides in your spiritual life around these issues um, because it demands answers to the big questions of life and mm -hmm. it will, it can cause the person to go searching, you know, either your uh, faith has, has, um, really comforted you and supplied you with those answers. Um, but if it hasn't, you might be searching for a deeper understanding of the meaning of life. And, and this, this can really come 
to be much more of a new direction for you. It is really, it can be a very, very deep spiritual process. Interesting. And I think mm -hmm. I interrupted you when you were about to talk about fear of your own mortality. Yes. Um, you know, I believe that is one of the biggest unexpressed fears, perhaps, of death and dying, because um, especially if there is a lack of conversation about death and your particular person dies in front of you or near you, it will really bring up, oh, my gosh, um, this is going to happen to me. What Who's going to be with me when I die? Mm -hmm. What What is it going to be like? You know, uh, now I can no longer deny the fact that this is going to be part of my scenario. So it's it really hits home, you know, and and in a way that's good because once again you'll be able to deal with confronting these issues um, and find a resolution to it and, and to know that. As we'll talk about in week four, death does not have to be a big, scary thing at all. It does not have to be that. I'm looking forward to that week. Yes. Um, <laughs> I don't think I'm afraid of death. I think I'm afraid of getting there. Mm. And um, mm -hmm. I've, you know, I've talked to people who have been a caregiver or had a parent die, and they're just afraid they'll get the same thing, like Alzheimer's or Parkinson's yes. or cancer or whatever it was. Yes. Well, I this is a big thing for me. I really believe that um, we must question about hereditary things. Mm. What, if, what if it isn't hereditary? What if um, there are ways for you to make your own um, path in, in life that does not include the hereditary situations of your family. Um, Myrtle Fillmore was able to <laughs> change that around. Myrtle Fillmore from co-founder of Unity. Uh, she was programmed. They told her she was going to get sick and die early. She was weak and sickly. She would get TB like all the rest of them did. She did get TB, but she was able to transcend that old message of this is hereditary and that's all you can do is, is receive it. Right. She said, no, no, there's much, much more that you can do. She said, I'm a child of God and I do not inherit sickness. Yes. Yep. Yes. So, so. we have maybe six minutes left. Mm -hmm. And I've been wanting to ask you some do's and don'ts about when someone else is grieving, when it's not necessarily my grief, maybe it's a friend, uh -huh. what do you say and not say to a grieving person? Oh, I just love this topic because <laughs> <laughs> so many people fall into this pit. Um, <laughs> well, and it's easy just and not to show up because you don't know what to say. Exactly, exactly. And once again, this is a part and parcel of not having these conversations. So I'm very happy to say that we can boil this down to two, two clues. What not to say to a grieving person is to look at what is your intention? What are you trying to do with and for being with this grieving person? If your intention, if you have to look and see, 
is that you are uncomfortable with somebody's uh, sadness or whatever they're expressing. If you are uncomfortable with their feelings and you're trying to stop it, if you're trying to stop their hurt, you're trying to stop their expression of feelings, kind of like the way that when you're in a, a little group of people and somebody starts crying and there's usually the one person that runs over and grabs yes. the Kleenex box yes. and practically throws them in the person's face, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, it's more about their uncomfortability with a little tear dribbling down a cheek mm -hmm. than with the person's need for a whole box of Kleenex. So um important to say, what am I feeling? When I see a grieving person, am I trying to stop them from grieving? Um, or is it about sympathy and understanding? Uh, understanding that this is okay. And thank God they're telling me. They feel comfortable enough to tell me and express their sadness with me. That's, that's a gift. So under those two ideas, are you trying to stop the hurt? Or are you, are you trying to add your sympathy and comfort and understanding? You can, you know, really find things to say or not say. So what not to say with a grieving person? And all of these are about stopping the process. Giving an explanation. Okay, keep it in the head, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, she caused this by her behavior. You know, that's keeping oh. it, uh, okay, we can figure this out. Or look on the bright side. Oh, well, she lived a long time. Uh, he's in a better place. God wanted her to be with him. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh. oh, my gosh. How to make you never want to be anything with God anymore. And they say that uh, to that children. Is, oh, yes. It's, it's really, anyway. really not right. Yeah. Offer solutions. Oh, my gosh. This is what not to well, say. It's been, yeah, these are what not okay. to say. Oh, it's been six months. You could marry again. Are you thinking of dating? <laughs> <laughs> you know, be uh -huh. strong. Be strong. That means don't cry. Mm -hmm. Well, crying is a huge strength. Crying is being strong. Mm -hmm. um, blame. Aren't you over him yet? It's been a long time. So all of these, you see, are all in that capsule. I don't want to feel this person's pain, so I better clean it up. I better brush it under the rug. I better say, you know, stop it and get on. Right. You know. Okay. So then the other way, how, what to say to a grieving person, coming from the place of sympathy and understanding and comfort, the best, simple, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm so sorry for your loss. I wish... I had the right words, but just know that I do care. I am here to help you in any way that I can. What could I do for you today? You are in my thoughts and prayers. And it's helpful also to speak about the person, to say their name out loud. Just because they died, it doesn't mean that you never say their name again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and you can say, you know, John always told me that you would make him laugh and brighten his day. You know, 
to remember a beautiful memory like that helps the person so much. Mm-hmm. Um, simply be with the person. You don't have to say a lot. Just sitting with them, listening to them, give them a hug rather than say anything. That your presence with them means everything, that they don't have to be there alone. That helped me a lot with my mom when I was kind of agitated. I didn't know what to do. My friends had me over for dinner and movie. We watched movies and movies and movies until I was so tired I wanted to go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) That was that was the best thing they could do. They didn't have to talk about my mom or my grief or anything. They were just friends. They were my friends. Right. I remember when my father died years ago. I don't remember anything anyone said, but I remember who showed up. I I can see their faces in front of me. I can see their mouths moving. And Mm -hmm. that really helped me later as a minister, that it's not so much about the words you say. It's that you were there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're there with your open heart Mm -hmm. to hold them with you. And willing to have some feelings of your own. That may be uncomfortable. Yes. But. And there's nothing like a, a shared shared sorrow is half sorrow. Oh. Um, That's nice. We have to end it there. Shared yes, sorrow okay. is half sorrow. But we have two more yes. weeks with Patricia. So we will be back next week. What are we talking about? Next week we have developing a practice of letting go. Oh, good. Impermanence. How do we deal with impermanence? All right. We'll be back with Voices of Unity. See you then. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.